here's what I'm finding is that so much attention by young people are going towards their devices that they are literally losing their innate instinctual biological drive to move on, to get out of the house, to become independent, to discover who they are and what they need to do in this world. And so the parents then sort of respond to watching their children become more entitled or lazier or lethargic or anxious or depressed. And then they kind of freak out about it. They start to parent even stronger to urge their children to really do do the right things. Hi, I'm Sandy Fowler, and you're listening to Mighty Parenting, a podcast where we explore parenting in a way that helps us and our kids find more happiness and fosters emotional wellness, even while solving problems with our teens and young adults. We learn through advice and stories from experts and other parents, and I'm so glad you've joined us. So welcome to Mighty Parenting, where we have real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults in today's world. We talk a lot about communication at Mighty Parenting. Our experts, myself, the communications email series that we share with you. And one of the keys to communicating well with our teens is to not be stressed. Because when we're stressed, we knee jerk, we jump in, we say things that we don't mean to say. And as I'm talking to parents, you guys are telling me that you don't have time for stress relief. So I've created a complimentary lesson for you that requires no time. Yes, you will have to listen to the audio. So it's going to take you a few minutes to do that. But the strategies I share with you don't require you to spend any more time on them. So pop over to sandyfowler.com forward slash no time and learn how you can start relieving your stress and feeling better today. Today, we're talking about rites of passage. It's an issue that I've seen and I've talked to other parents about. And it's just this idea that our kids don't have concrete events that tell them when they're grown up. Even some of the common markers that we experienced growing up, things like getting driver's licenses, they've kind of gone away as society has shifted. Kids don't need that car so much. More of them are living in large cities with public transportation. It's just different. And I am glad someone else has seen this too, and he's doing something about it. His name is Dr. Mark Schillinger, and he is joining us today to discuss some of the things that keep our boys stuck and prevent them from launching into the world, as well as what parents can do to support their sons in transitioning from boyhood to adulthood. Mark, welcome to Mighty Parenting. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. I am too. We're having such a good chat beforehand, and I'm thrilled to bring all that into the podcast. So as I said there, we do hear about our kids struggling and hear about failure to launch, unmotivated kids, and especially in our boys. And the first question that I have is, like, is this really true? Is this different than it was with past generations of kids? Or is it just our perception of what our kids are doing? Oh, my God. No, it's radically different. Raising children now, certainly raising teen young men, which is my specialty, but no, raising children. I like to say that it's not the fault of the parents. It's the fault of the culture. Um, There are so many distractions that parents and young people have to deal with now. And most of it relates to digital devices. And of course, parents have to work probably harder than ever to keep their lives together. 
Young people have so much pressure now that we have these digital devices where they're struggling to keep it together. They have their usual things that you and I had, you know, when we were brought up as far as dealing with homework and maybe trying to make friends and, you know, get involved in sports and then get along with our parents. Now with social media and uh, the digital devices, here's what I'm finding is that so much attention by young people are going towards their devices that they are literally losing their innate instinctual biological drive to move on, to get out of the house, to become independent, to discover who they are and what they need to do in this world. And so the parents then sort of respond to watching their children become more entitled or lazier or lethargic or anxious or depressed. And then they kind of freak out about it. They start to parent even stronger to urge their children to really do, do the right things and their children don't want to do it. And it's leading to this conflict and isolation within the house where everybody's living under one roof, but they're all on their devices doing different things. And when it's time for even something as simple as coming together for dinner, you know, the young men that I coach will yell out in their parents like, I'm not coming down. I'm, I'm stuck on my game. I'll come down when I want to. That kind of thing. Um, I know when I was younger, if I said that to my father or my mother, it would not go well for me. Now, the coaching that I do for parents and their teens, they're all good families, they're all wonderful people, and they don't get along. And there's so much stress in the house that it's not anything like the same it used to be from what I can tell. I've had that experience in our household, and I hear similar things from other parents and from friends. Yeah, here's what I'm finding. We are missing mentors in our culture. So it used to be when I was younger, like, you know, my parents would even kiddingly say, like, you know, go out and see if the, uh, you know, go play in traffic was one of the things my dad used to say, meaning just get out of here, just get out of the house, go do something. And it was with humor. But the point was that when I left my house, there were there were adults everywhere and they all knew all the young people. So if we even thought about doing something, you know, a little mischievous, like we would we, we couldn't even think about doing it because everybody knew where we were. But addressing the issue about uh, being in the house, in the living room and watching TV or on their devices, when we went outside, there was lots of mentors around. We could ask questions. We were taught constantly by people other than our family uh, members. And so that's, I think, a big issue is that the children are being raised by their devices. And we're going through this amazing change where from hundreds of thousands of years of the way children have been raised to now here we are in the last 20, 30, 40 years of now uh, artificial intelligence and TV and devices, it's changing the way parents and young people interact. And until we become you know, more artificially intelligent, which is where we're going, and I'm certainly not calling for a throwback where we go back to the way it was, but this transition zone is brutal for families. Nobody's been given a manual on how to do it. And that's where I think the suffering is that there's no motivation for the children to go out. There's no um, desire for them to kind of like make it on their own because everything is provided for them. We need to know how to challenge our children. And I say challenge, I don't mean like yelling and screaming, but how to arouse their natural biological instinctual desire to get out and do things. I love your term transition zone yep. because it's not about throwing out technology. It's not about just turning it off for your family because 
many parents can tell you if they've had difficulty with a child or the family with technology and have just said, forget it, we're turning it off. That doesn't necessarily bring the family together. That can actually create more divisiveness. What you said was that we need to arouse our kids' natural instinct to get out and go do. What does that look like? A very key thing that's missing in our culture that can change the dynamic in families is to have rites of passages. And when I say rites of passages, not just for young people, but for the parents as well, because at a rite of passage, everybody learns a way, the same way to get along. So rites of passages for young people is basically a line of demarcation that says, it's great that you had a lot of fun growing up and you can still have fun and still discover who you are and be your authentic true self and simultaneously learn that you now have greater responsibility to your family, to your community, and to the world. And when, at least in my experience, experience watching thousands and thousands of young men go through a rite of passage in a weekend, literally changes them, so to speak, overnight, where when they graduate, they're so ready to get out there. They're so ready to be seen and be respected for who they are just in one weekend. And I do the same work with parents too. They go through a rite of passage to learn how to parent teens in an artificially intelligent world. It's a whole new technology. So when everybody goes through a rite of passage, they learn how to get along, how to cooperate, how to have more caring and cooperative relationships because they're all speaking the same language. And for the parents, they learn ways to use consequences in a positive disciplined way. So they're not making things up on the spot when they're upset and taking away things randomly, which young people do not appreciate and don't respect, but they're all learning that they all need each other to get along better. So having a rite of passage, having a same way of how to live their lives is really important. Having mentors is really important. And one last thing I'd like to add, being a doctor who specializes in stress management, Stress is so high for everybody now, teens, young children, and adults, that everybody needs to learn very simple, very effective ways to relax literally in just a few seconds time so that when the energy gets too agitating for everybody, somebody can say, we need a timeout, we need to relax together. And that has been very effective in our work with families, teaching everybody to relax first and not try to resolve things when they're all agitated. It's so true. I also work in stress relief and it always amazes me what a difference it makes when we can all just, we say breathe, but, but literally that's as simple. It can be as simple as that. And it can be something else too, but just allowing the energy in the room to, to chill out. But you were talking about rites of passage and I know you built your young men's ultimate weekend experience around that for both kids and parents separately. But why rites of passage? How did you settle on that as being the key to helping our kids, well, in particular, our boys or who your weekends are for? Well, in the late uh, middle to late 90s, my children were becoming uh, teens and I wanted to be the best daddy in the world. And my former wife, Suzanne, wanted to be the best mother in the world. And I don't think that we had, I certainly didn't have the skills necessary to deal with a digitally dominant world. And I just resorted to the way I was kind of raised, which was with a lot of love, but a lot of demands and a lot of um, 
uh, what do I want to say, uh, you know, sort of sort of threats. Like, if you don't do this, here's what will happen. And I tried all that stuff and it wasn't working with my children. It made me so sad. I like to think when I think back to those days, it felt like my son, Gabe, especially like he was on a boat as a teenager heading out into the harbor. And there I was on the shore without even a canoe or any paddles to go get him. He was just saying goodbye to me by withdrawing. And that was so sad for me. And so I heard about a man who was putting on rite of passages up in Vancouver, Canada, and I decided to go visit it with my son, Gabe. And I attended as sort of on the medical staff and Gabe attended as a, uh, you know, as, as a participant. And it really changed our dynamic. Something shifted in our relationship. We were two men in a foreign land, so to speak. And the things that we learned there really changed our relationship for the better. And then not soon after, I had this great opportunity to spend some time with a small tribe in Africa, Samburu tribe. And although I was not present for their rite of passage, they would never allow me to go see that. I got a chance to speak to a number of the young men and the shaman of that tribe. And that really convinced me that that was what's missing because for hundreds of thousands of years, this was a tradition that we had. And so I came back from that event in Canada, all excited, like I always wanted to do something good in the world. And that became my focus, rite of passage for young men. That was in the year 1999. In the year 2000, we had our first event. We had no money, no advertising, no PR team. And I, we just put it out you know, in our community and we had 205 young men show up in this uh, Boy Scout camp in Marin County where I live. And that's when I realized I'm not the only daddy having a hard time raising my son. And Suzanne and I really sort of put together, you know, our way of parenting because we, we had to put aside our differences and made our bigger purpose in life co-parenting our teen children. And when we got our way together and learned how to reduce our stress, everything shifted in our family, everything, just by uniting about our purpose and by putting on these rites of passage that I did for Gabe. And, you know, we've been doing them ever since, helping thousands of families since then. You just stated that you became united in your purpose. That's something you've talked about as being key. And also in other experts we've had on here, they've told us that one of the things our teens need to reduce stress and anxiety and to feel good about themselves is purpose. Yeah. It lets them feel in control amongst other things. And I, I love this idea of uniting in purpose, but I want to go back for a minute to just the idea of like, what is a rite of passage? What does that even mean? I mean, not specifically your event, but the, the broader term is, you know, as you studied it in the tribes and in some of your research. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of key factors, different, you know, experts on rite of passage see the different uh, sort of variable and important ingredients. Here's how I see it. The very first thing that happens is when the young men arrive with their parents, we try to quickly separate them as quickly as possible. So the key thing there, the first key element is separation, like your world's about to change and we make it dramatic. So as soon as the parents get there and the young men register, we're telling the parents they've got to go and we point in a certain direction where the young men need to walk with all their gear. That's really key. The young men need to feel like their life is about to change. So that's the first most important ingredient. Another important ingredient is that they have to go on a journey of self-discovery. So the events at the Young Men's Ultimate Weekend or our event 
are all geared to challenge them emotionally, mentally, physically, even spiritually, so to speak, where they have to really discover what's true for them. What do they need to develop? Like authenticity is a big deal. We promote that, but we also want them to discover what they need to learn, you know, in order to become more whole and happy within themselves and to make it in the world. So there's a certain amount of discovery that has to go on. And I'll come back to the agenda in a moment because it's quite grueling and quite transformative. And then the third part is where they have to re-emerge from this rite of passage and reintegrate back into the culture. So the last part of our event involves the parents and their sons reuniting in a way where they go through a ceremony where all that they've learned separately now in their each individual rite of passage has to be joined together through what we call the eyes of respect, where they have to hold each other in the highest regard. And then they have the tools to cooperate together and reintegrate what they've learned so that they can all become more caring and cooperative. So there's separation, there's self-discovery, and then there's reintegration. On the agenda, I have to say one of the most powerful events that happens for the young men is after we've established rapport with them by Saturday night, they've been with us 24 hours, they get that we're not there to make them wrong, but just to help them be happier and healthier. We do a very powerful ceremony called Letting Go of the Boy where the young men grieve in a very loud and intense way, a very demonstrative way, all the pain they've been through with their parents, with their siblings, with their teachers, with their friends. They really get it out in a very physical way. And they see the adult men doing this too. It's very tribal. And at the end of this event that takes hours for everybody to do, the young men literally look different. They look happier. They look calmer. Now they've gotten a chance to relieve all that stress that they've been accumulating. So that's really the highlight where they're basically told now to be a man, you have to know how to control your emotions. You have to know when, where, and how to get it out and in the right directions and that in the right ways, and that you need other men to make it in your life. You can't do life alone. I appreciate that this idea of teaching our men that you do need to get your emotions out. Our culture has done a very good job of telling them they need to know how to control their emotions. What they never followed up in is, and there's a time and a place and you need to let that out. And when you feel the emotions, if, if you're in a safe space, you need to let it out in that moment. And if not find a safe space and go do that. And the idea of leaning on other men to help you do it and making it a community thing, whether this is, you know, a, a father and son at home or brothers or friends, you know, at home in the yard at off on an adventure or someplace like your camp, just creating that community and that supportive culture that agrees and says, yes, this is good. I think that alone mm -hmm. could dramatically change the trajectory of mental health issues in our sons. I promise we see it all the time. The young men quickly learn that they're not alone. That's one of the big sort of uh, inhibitory factors in their lives which, which keeps them from fulfilling their true potentials. They feel like they're all alone. They get to the young men's ultimate week and they realize that they're not alone, that they're all suffering the same way and all celebrating the same way. But when they can learn that they can release all that tension and not be made wrong for it, and then learn other ways like mindfulness-based stress reduction techniques they learn all weekend long so that when they are overwhelmed, 
when they watch their anger and their frustrations arise, they know what they need to do in that moment, right in front of whoever they're in front of to calm themselves down. And that if they need to really get it out in a more emotionally intense way, they have people they can call for help. Mm-hmm. And is this something, as you said, when you, when you visited the tribe, of course, you were not present at you know, you were not present and part of their ritual, but I, from anything I've ever seen or read about, it seems like it is those same three steps, separation, discovery, reintegration. Yeah, absolutely. Did, did you find that their culture or maybe other cultures that you studied have taught boys from a young age how to handle emotions better? Or is that something more of an American problem? Oh, great question. Part of the answer is I don't know. I don't really know how other cultures do it. I definitely know that for the young men in the Samburu tribe, they, when they graduate from their rite of passage, part of their job is to guard the perimeter of the tribe. They have to keep everybody safe. So in order to do that, they have to really have great control of their own emotions because they have so much responsibility. So that much I know. And I do know in our culture, where like you said, you know, we, we kind of tell young men they shouldn't cry and they have to be strong and stiff upper lip. You know, that's, that's just so destructive. And when we teach young men how to relax in the moment and they find that it works, it gives them so much more sense, a sense of self-respect that they can control their emotions. doesn't mean they may not have more to get out later, but when they learn that they can control their emotions and therefore be present for what they're really thinking and feeling separate from these hard uh, and difficult emotions, they can get back in touch with who they are. That's what we teach them how to do. Like, what are your own virtues and values? How do you really want to respond to this? When they can relax and respond in an authentic way, their self-esteem goes way up because they realize that they were to do what we call a both and. They could be upset and they could be present and clear and calm and confident in what they're saying. And you also said, you talked about reintegration and you talked about some things there, but you also just said that in the tribe, after the ritual, after the rite of passage, that the boys came back and they gave them a man's job. They gave them real responsibility. and. I, I'm making an assumption here, but I'm assuming that no one was going out in, and mothering them through it, whether it's mom or dad or the neighbor, but no one was going out and, and second guessing them and telling them, make sure you do this. And you know, every five minutes, giving them more direction, but instead of going, okay, here's your job, either they've already, either they already know how to do it or give them some instruction and let them go. I think that's another piece that, that we as parents can do in the home on a regular basis is essentially making small rites of passage for our kids. Okay. You have, you know, you have shown me and it's not necessarily age-based. That's I think another mistake we make. I I think it's more readiness based, but you've shown me that you were responsible and you were doing this. Therefore, here is some more adult responsibility and adult privileges. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I do is I teach parents how to put on a rite of passage in their own home. It's got a number of steps. It's done over the course of about a week because we can't just assume that our children 
get that it's time to switch gears and become young adults just because we start saying you need to become more responsible. There's a process that parents can do in their house that lets everybody know that the game is changing, especially for the parents, because Sandy, you said something so important. We tend to over father or over mother. We tend, we're so addicted to wanting to do good for our kids that when they're 12, 13, 14, or 15, like we're still making the bed for them, or we're still cooking for them. We're still doing so many things for them with great intention. But I have to tell you, after being at, you know, rites of passages for young men for so many years, the young men know their parents love them, but they don't feel like they trust them to do the right things. So the parents have to let their young, uh, young adults know that the game is changing. And then the parents have to switch. We like to say one of our mottos is stop parenting, start mentoring. So we teach parents the characteristics that mentors have so they could be less emotional and less attached to what they're teaching. Um, they don't overprotect their children. They put them out there in a really healthy way. And then the young people can, can really admire and respect their parents because they're not overprotecting or screaming, they're teaching them. So we talk about tender love and tough love. Our big thing is teaching love. Show your children that you love them by teaching them how to make it in the outside world. Which means teaching and then letting them go and do Yes. And allowing them to, to fix the mess. Well, yes. allowing them to experience the consequences. And the consequences can be yes. joy. It can be that they did a great job on something and they, they feel good about themselves. It can be that they messed it up. And then we can just say, okay, so you're learning something from this. What do you want to do next? And let them come up with the fix and, and do the work for the fix. Oftentimes we jump in, we expected them to do it perfectly the first time. And so then we jump in and we start cleaning up. And I can see that is exactly where your kids are saying, hey, our parents love us, but they don't trust us. They don't think we can do this. And right. yes, they might goof it up, but not fixing it actually shows them that we trust them, right? Yes, absolutely. We, in our method of consequencing, which we use, we don't use any punishments. There's nothing punitive about being a mentor. It's all about positive discipline consequences. And I really agree with you said what you said about we can, in our method, we have, we give them choices, you know, uh, if they were not responsible, which we, we make all the parents that we teach define every virtue, like responsibility, accountability, honestly, with one sentence. So if we say, son, you haven't been responsible. That means doing things you like to do and don't like to do until completion. You haven't been clearing the dishes. I want to let you know the next time you don't, there'll be a consequence. It's not a punishment. We just need to train you and get you ready for the, the uh, challenges of the outside world. And so let's say they don't do the dishes the next time or clear the dishes. The parent would then say, there's going to be a consequence because this is what happens in the world. And so here's a couple of choices that you can do to learn responsibility. If the young people say, I don't want to do them, it's like, no problem. What do you think you need to do to clean this up so that we can all move on? So yes, we'll give them choices as long as we feel like they're equal to the task of what the young person needs to learn. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's about mentoring. It's about supporting and helping them. And I was looking at, at these three points, separation, self-discovery, and and reintegration. And I, one of the things I felt bad about during COVID was that both teens and parents in that senior year don't have all those moments because it is almost this year long 
rite of passage. I remember going through, going to all the events and saying, this is the last time, like you said, me as a mom, I'm grieving the loss of a child who is becoming a wonderful young woman, but still the loss of my little girl. And every event was a little bit more of that until we got to graduation day. And I wasn't even sad anymore. I was just excited for where she was going. And then they move out, either they're going to college or they're moving into an apartment or they're going to a trade school or something, or even if they're still living at home, doing some kind of second post-secondary education, they're still, they're still in a large degree moving out. We are not responsible for their whole day anymore. They have more of a life. And, and it sounds like what we should be doing then is encouraging them to to separate even more, to go out into the world, to to have that time to move away from us and have more self-discovery rather than hanging on, which is actually kind of the selfish thing is what it sounds like. Yeah, I totally do agree with everything you're saying. One of the things that I think is powerful for parents to do, certainly we do this with them at the Parenting Rite of Passage, is we do a ceremony with them where they have to say goodbye to their boy. They have to cry it out. They have to grieve it out. They have to lament. And they get to see where they've been holding on too much. Because unless they have some sort of ceremony to say goodbye, they all think they're doing it and they're not. I'm saying that with no blame. I Believe me, I made every mistake as a parent of a team that anybody could make. So there has to be some formality around letting go. And then there needs to be some mentoring, some teaching. Here's how you do it. Because young people don't want to admit they don't know how to do things. So we have to teach them how to do that. And then, like you said, we have to let them go. They may make a mistake. In our work, we define a mistake as an opportunity to adapt to adversity more efficiently. So we don't want our children feeling afraid to make mistakes. We don't want the parents to beat them up for making mistakes, even though they have the best of intention. It's usually just their own anxiety about their children making it in the world. So we don't want to beat them up when they make a mistake. We just have to challenge them or arouse their intuition or their experience to say, how would you do that better? Here's the result we want. How else could you do that? And then just really be silent and give them a chance to work on it. I like that idea so much because it's also teaching parents that we we too need to go through this rite of passage. It's, it's a rite of passage from being a parent of a child to parenting a young adult, which is very different. Yeah, absolutely. Completely different. I mean, as a chiropractor who teaches a brain science course for other chiropractors and acupuncturists on the brain science of stress management, I know a little bit about adolescent brain development. And we often talk way over what our children can actually understand. And then we talk for three minutes or five minutes and we're totally losing them and they don't know what we're trying to say. So one of the bits of advice I like to give to parents is get very clear about what virtues you want your son to learn. Virtues I define as one word qualities like responsibility, accountability, et cetera. And then clearly define that virtue in one sentence, like I showed you before. Here's another example, accountability, owning what you should have done or not done without excuses. So when parents can really tighten up what they want to teach and then let their children go out into the world and practice that thing, those things that they know they need to learn, then the parents have a much better opportunity uh, or or, yeah, opportunity to see their children struggle, but also eventually learn it when we continuously interfere with their process and think that they're supposed to know things that they can't know yet. It makes our children feel like our parents think they're stupid, which is the exact opposite result we want. Okay, so we've we've talked all about the rites of passage 
And could you just explain how this motivates our kids, how, how it helps them get up, get off their butt, put down the devices, actually want to be out in the world? Well, what actually gets them to go want to do this thing on their own is a physical, mental, emotional, spiritual rite of passage, meaning all the things that they do at that weekend, from ropes courses to drumming circles to making hip hop beats in a studio to um, doing community service on the land to the grieving ceremony to sweat lodges to all sorts of things. It can't just be talked about. They actually have to go do it. They have to prove to themselves that they have what it takes. Once they have that direct gestalt, that direct experience that they actually can do this, they're way more likely than to go home and emulate that out in the everyday world. It's not just something I think you can talk about. I think that's the real value of the rite of passage. It's visceral. It's guttural, not just uh, mental, emotional. Well, and you talk about brain science. And one of the things is that our brain and our body are one. So actually physically doing that experience will shift our brain, correct? Absolutely. I totally appreciate you saying that out loud. It's not just a cute expression, you know, mind and body are one. They literally are. So I appreciate you hearing that the rite of passage can kick into their mental and emotional worlds through the physical activities that they get to do. So. Wrapping this up, all right, parents, you can, Mark, you'll tell us in a minute what your website is. So if people want to go to your experience, they can go do that. So you can, parents, uh, go to a designed experience. Whether you do that or not, at home, the things that we can do are, you talked about taking the virtues we want our kids to learn, distill them down to a single sentence, share those with our kids, but then let them go out in the world Try things, learn, make mistakes, make messes, let them clean up the messes with, with our support. Hey, I got your back. If you, if you want something from me, tell me, or just listening when they talk and just letting them let go of stuff, but letting them do things, let them do important things, let them have large responsibilities for age appropriately, large responsibilities around the home, within the family, within the community, encourage them to actually go and do things. So they have more of those visceral body experiential um, neuro connections occurring. And is there anything else, Mark, that we could be doing at home? Yeah. I say this parents to parents with the with goosebumps. I'm a parent. I get how hard it is to parent in this modern age, as I said early in the show, with all the distractions, we have to work so hard, all the negative news coming at us. Please take good care of yourself. It's really, really important that we model for our children that even with all the stresses in the world, it's not impossible to be happy, healthy, and holy. So when the parents have the energy it takes to to parent, when they have the energy it takes to have their own fulfilling lives and to have meaningful relationships with their spouses or divorced spouses, that's the best advice I could give because then you are modeling for their children, parents are modeling for their children how to make it even when there's tons of adversity because bottom line still is monkey see, 
monkey do? What we're modeling for our children is what they're by and large going to grow up do. So please take good care of yourselves and each other, meaning your spouses or former spouses, because that's what our children want. Even with divorce, they want to see that our parents are willing to cooperate for their greater good. So if parents can get their acts together, oh my God, it will allow you to have the family of your dreams so that as you get older and your children get older, you have the most loving, caring, cooperative relationships. What could be better than that as we get older to have that in our lives? Which is all we really want for our kids. And I appreciate, Mark, that you've taken the time to share this with us today. For anyone who wants to learn more about you and your work and your camp for the boys, where can they find you? They can find us on the internet at info at ymuw.org, stands for Young Men's Ultimate Weekend, info at ymuw.org. Or we can be reached by phone at 415-479-4100. And we'll, of course, have that in the show notes. So if you're driving, you can get it later. Mark, thank you again for joining us. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you, Mighty Parents, for being here. Remember to share the podcast with another parent. Also, remember to visit MightyParenting.com and grab that free email series on how to talk to your teen. And remember, you're here. You're listening. You already are a mighty parent. You got this. And I will see you next week. Mighty Parents, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast. If you're ready for more, visit MightyParenting.com where you can get your free email series, How to Talk to Your Teen, with tips for communicating with your teen in a way that builds connection and communication. You can also get Mighty Parenting Plus so you can access our private podcast, which includes all the Mighty Parenting episodes, behind the scenes, guest highlights, and more. And of course, remember to share the podcast with another parent to support them on their parenting journey.